0: It's Acts chapter 2, it's verses 42 and then 46 and 47. And it tells us that all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Nathan, over to you. Thank you very much, Dave, and good evening, everyone. How are we all doing? Are we all good? Okay, mixed crowd. Okay, we'll get there eventually. We'll get there. I wonder if any of you have been a part of of a club, or you're a part of a club now. We obviously have our familiar ones, we have Chess Club, we have Crown Green Bowls Club, maybe the WI. But there may be some that you aren't so familiar with. I did some research in some pretty cool, funky, abstract clubs. So we have the UK Roundabout Appreciation Club. (laughs) In their website it says, where people may see an unremarkable traffic feature, we, the UK Roundabout Appreciation Club, sees beauty. We also have the Not Terribly Good Club. This club is for people who find themselves failing at numerous things in a very comical way. So I've already put my application form in for that one. We have the Extreme Ironing Bureau, uh, I don't even have to explain this one I feel. Um, well, I'm not even sure what ironing is. And we have a luxuriant flowing hair club for scientists. So basically, to get into this, you have to send a picture of your luxuriant flowing hair and proof that you're a scientist. So take note, Robert Walsh, if you're listening. <laughs> um, we've got some else here. We also have the church. I wonder what you have to do to be a member of this one. Is it that we have to come and attend every Sunday and drink our cups of tea? And have some nice, warm, cosy conversations? Is it that we have to come on a Sunday and listen to the message but not really do much about it? Or is it that in the mornings we can stay at home in our jammies and watch whilst getting Sunday lunch ready? Or is it that we can come and take rather than coming to give? But it has to be said, do we feel that church has become a weekly club? Somewhere we can come and tick a box that we have done it, rather than coming to live it? And if so, how do we move away from that and move to what Jesus told us the church should be? So often, people within church and outside of church look at it as if it was a club. A club where you have to be a member to join, and that we just meet weekly and that's it. But we are called to be so much more. William Temple put it like this, The church is the only, the only cooperative society in the world that exists for the benefits of its non-members. We can see that when we work together, we can benefit those who don't attend church and who may not believe. So tonight, I'm going to be continuing with a series called Church for Dummies, You may know the For Dummies books, which are a series of user-friendly guides to help people who have not much knowledge of a particular subject get more about it. This week, we're looking at better together. For us to understand how we can be better together, we have to understand what it means to be together. And for us to understand this, we have to look at the greatest user-friendly guidebook of all time, the Bible. As Dave read earlier, In Acts 2, we see the beginning of the early church. This is the first time that the early church is mentioned, and we can learn so much from how it was working back then. And I don't want to go too crazy into unpacking Acts 2, as we'll be looking at that in a couple of weeks' time. But in the first verse, Luke uses a word, devoted. Not just all the believers listened to the apostles' teachings. Not just the believers sometimes shared in meals. Luke uses a word devoted, because as soon as you put the word devoted in front of those things he lists, it gives a whole different meaning to it, adds more weight behind it, and it takes it to another depth. The early church wasn't something the believers just attended weekly, it was a way of life, a way of life in which they were devoted to it to be devoted means to give all or most of one's time or resource to a person or activity so how can we bring that into forward and into our lives tonight i wonder how can we turn church from being a weekly activity into a way of life how can we be better together how can we improve our fellowship here we so often want church to move forward, to grow in numbers, to see God move powerfully. But if we aren't a relational church, then how do we expect this to happen? So hopefully tonight we'll be able to answer that by looking at these verses in I've split tonight's thoughts into three points based on those verses. So we're going to first of all look at being devoted to Christ's teaching. Then we're going to be look at being devoted to Christ's people And then we'll be looking at being devoted to Christ's mission. So are we ready for this? Yes, Yes, there we are. Happy days. So the first one, we have to be devoted to Christ's teaching. In verse 42, Luke says the believers were devoted to the apostles' teaching. So, and there are one or two exceptions, an apostle was called an apostle if they journeyed alongside Jesus in his ministry on this earth, from the day of his baptism all the way up to his resurrection. The apostles' teachings would have been the apostles sharing stories about Jesus, which were later turned into the gospels. But he also would have shared about how Jesus was a fulfillment of the Old Testament. So when Luke said devoted to the apostles' teachings, we can look at that and know they are firsthand sharing Jesus' teachings. Jesus was sent down to this earth so we can better understand who God is and for us to be able to have a relationship with God. This means if we're wanting to be fully devoted to God, we have to look to Christ. But being devoted to Christ's teachings isn't just about learning what is in the Bible. It's not as a case of coming on a Sunday and listening to a talk and then leaving it there. Being devoted to Christ's teachings means not just to know it, but to live it. The early believers didn't just add Christ's teachings into their crazy, busy lives. No, the early believers lived it. It was their way of life. I have such a privileged role in church for being a youth leader. Not only is it hilarious most of the time, but it can be really encouraging, and to be honest, it can help with prepping sermons. So I asked them, what does it mean for you to be devoted to God? And church, just be encouraged by these three answers that I got from some of our youth. They said, being devoted to God is like having a relationship with him. Everything you do... Do it for God. Put him first. I know many people who have an insane knowledge of scriptures, but not necessarily a relationship with God. But these two things come hand in hand. To grow in relationship with God, we must better understand him. And on the same token, when we have a relationship with God, we want to get to know him better. Now, there are many ways in which we can grow in a relationship with God. One of them is being reading the Bible. Sometimes the Bible is referred to as God's word because he is behind it. So if a Bible is God's word then it feels like a good place to start. Now this can be a challenge in our busy weeks I'm sure. I'm sure all of us here have many things that are probably going on and we probably don't spend enough time reading the Bible as we should. I would throw my hands right up and say I know that's the case for me. I value my sleep in the mornings, and evenings I try spending up on catching up on Life Admin or catching up on TV. I wonder for you if you're the same, prioritizing things in our life over spending time with God. But if we look at this passage, the believers were devoted to God. So if I was devoted to God, then I would surrender those things and utilize the time getting into the Bible, but not just a case of reading it we have to understand it. It's all well and good reading words on a page, but if we aren't going to apply it to our lives, if we aren't going to grow in a relationship with God, then what good is it? We have to understand it and then apply it. I went on a little break with my parents up in the lakes last October in a new part of the lakes we hadn't been to before. So we were reliant on guidebooks, on national trust books, and online for us to be able to tell us about places we haven't visited. Because in these books and online, it tells where to park, where toilets were, etc. We take what's online and what's in guidebooks and we apply it and we learn from it. But with the Bible, we can fall so short of this. We can almost see it as a burden rather than an answer. Now, there are some practical ways in which we can better understand the Bible. We can follow study guides, attend church home groups, chatting to fellow Christians and church services. All of these are ways we can better understand the Bible. So the Bible is important to being devoted to Christ's teaching and in turn being devoted to God. So reading the Bible is a good way of seeing what God is like. But it's not the only way. We have to spend time in prayer with him. We can so easily chat to our friends, family, colleagues and maybe we go to them and share some amazing news. Maybe we go to them first with a problem or a situation we're facing. Yet we aren't so quick to go to God in those times. How can we expect to grow in a relationship with God, to understand the type of God he is, or to get a grasp of his love when we aren't willing to go and chat to him? When I was younger, I was able to miss school one day, so it was a fantastic day. And we went because the Queen and Prince Philip were coming to Dunsop Bridge for her birthday. So we lined up behind the barrier, and along came Royals, and the Queen says hello and moves on. And Prince Philip comes and he stops. And he looks at us and says hello, looks at my dad, pauses, and then starts a conversation with him. The conversation being about ducks, but we'll put that over there for a minute. (laughs) This hits the local press and has remained a happy memory for us all in a sleep family. I treasured that moment. Why? Because he was Prince Philip, a royal, married to the Queen of England, and he stopped to chat to my dad about ducks. Folks, Tonight, the Kings of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and the Creator of the heavens and the universe is here and he is wanting to chat to you. Are you willing to chat to him? So, the Bible and prayer are some important ways in being devoted to God. There are other ways as well in which we can really know God and really get into his teaching, but for us to become devoted to God, we have to give up our time. That's what it means to be devoted. It means surrendering that time to spend getting to know God. We have to be intentional. Last week, we got an added member of our family. She's called Flo, or Florence if she's been naughty. Flo was a rescue dog, so when we got her, we think she was around two years old. So it meant we had to spend, getting, to spend time getting to know her. We had to give Flo our time and be intentional with it. She put a trust in a previous owner and was let down very badly. So it was starting again, spending time with her. When we picked her up, she refused to get in the car. She even backed out of the harness and then ran away. When we went to take her on a first walk, she was very stubborn and refused to even leave the house. There was so much we had to do, and all of it was intentional. All of it was being devoted to her to trust us more. To where she is now. Well, she goes mental, going for walks. She loves going for car rides. And she loves spending that much time with us that at 5 a.m. We get a lovely bark every morning to wake us up. Not for a toilet, literally because she wants to see us. Folks, we have to be intentional. We have to give God our time. It's no good just sitting there thinking attending church is a box ticked. If we're devoted to God, it's a way of life. We have to give him our everything. Finances, time, stresses, strains, Everything. Be devoted to him. Be devoted to his teachings. Like with Flo, we spent that time, and it was hard work, but now we can't wait to see it at the end of our days. She can't wait to spend time with us. She loves us unconditionally, and we love her when she's not barking at 5 a.m. This is like that with God. The more time we spend being intentional and becoming devoted to him, then we begin to share that love. Now, you're probably thinking... What on earth has this got to do with being better together? Well, when we understand who God is, when we apply Jesus' teachings to our lives, when we become fully devoted and in love with him, we're able to know how to love one another and how we're able to be better together as a church. In Matthew 22, verses 35 to 39, it says this. One of them, an expert in religious laws, tried to trap him with a question. Teacher, Which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is a first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus' response to the Pharisees in this passage is the answer as to why being devoted fully to God helps us be better together. When we get to know God, we begin to love him. When we begin to love him and understand his unconditional love for us, then we're able to use that as a benchmark of how we can love one another. I'm a part of a police in Morecambe. We are a team varying in ages, skill sets, years of service and backgrounds. However, we are all united by one purpose, our goals, our goals we want to take bad guys off the streets, we want to help people, we want to protect people, and we want to save lives. This brings about a unity amongst the team. If a colleague needs a hand, we'll help each other. If a colleague presses their red button, the panic button, then everyone drops everything and goes to their assistance. But it's not just at work. There's a support network with our colleagues outside of work. We help each other out with issues going on. We help each other with a bit of DIY and we help each other out with life problems. Alongside all this, we understand the job and what comes in it. No one at our homes will ever fully understand what it is like to be in the police, but our colleagues do. And this is why it's like a family. And I'm sure you may have heard of a policing family rather than just a team of people coming to work. I wonder if we can sometimes see church as a group of people like a team rather than a family. Are we a relational church? Are we devoted in making those relationships? Are we devoted to God's people? In this passage I read earlier, Luke mentions several times about the early believers' devotion to one another. He says they were devoted to fellowship. They were devoted in sharing meals. Later on it says they worshipped together. They met at each other's home sharing in the Lord's Supper. They shared meals with great joy and generosity. The early church was centered around their devotion to God, which in turn made the early church devoted to one another, devoted to God's people. But what actually is fellowship? Fellowship comes from the Greek word koinonia, which is a close mutual relationship and participation in life together, working towards a common goal. It can also be translated to mean to share, So if we are devoted to Christ's teachings and to what Jesus did for us, if we are devoted to God and his love for us, and if we are in a relationship with him, then this unites us together. It means we are able to share the life of Christ with one another in a way that results not only in individual growth, but also as corporate growth. The way we can do this is by sharing God's love and truth to those around us. We can come to church and rely so heavily on those same people to minister to us, but are we going to go and serve those around us in our family to help them grow spiritually? Fellowship is a necessity for spiritual growth as a church. It is a necessity. It's the integral part of church life. So clearly, fellowship is not just a matter of attending a couple of church-related things each week. It's way more than that. If we're just attending church because it's what we do each week, then we're like one of those clubs I mentioned at the beginning. If we are fellowship united by Christ, we shouldn't just attend church. In Corinthians, there's a famous passage about one body with many parts. As we gather here at Forward, we are all very different but God has called us all here as one, as Christ's body. This means if we are one, we are to take care of each other, encourage one another, build each other up. But just like a body, each of us has a part to play. This means we shouldn't just become dependent on the same people who do everything all the time. We have our own parts to play. We have to share our gifts with the church. We have to share our finances with the church. We have to share our time with the church. We have to share our life with the church. We can't just come and attend and leave the rest to everyone else to sort. If we want us to grow spiritually, then we must all play a part. This should be by serving, giving financially, giving our time, and many other ways in which we can play our part. We, as Christians, are viewed as the body of Christ. We are spiritually united with Christ and with each other. This means not just attending meetings, which is important, but that we authentically share the life of Christ with one another. In Ephesians 4, verses 15-16, it says, We will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of this body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. This means that we are being authentic in our relationships by sharing the life of Christ with one another. Then in turn, we will help each other grow spiritually and be able to fill each other up with God's love. Therefore, we will be better together but how can we practice this at forward what's well, not to do is we can look back to god's word the bible the guide to our lives in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11 it says so encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing so we need to encourage one another in James 5 verse 16 it says confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed so we have to confess our sins to each other and then pray with one another. Can you see how straightforward this is? Romans 14 verse one, accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. We have to be accepting. Galatians 5 verse 14, for you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom To serve one another in love. We must serve each other. And in 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 9. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Be hospitable with one another. Church, we need to be doing this. Imagine how much growth we can see if we had a culture of doing all these things authentically. But we shouldn't just be doing this for each other in church. We need to be going out there. We need to be devoted to Christ's mission. Now, I don't want to look too closely into this, as I'm sure it'll be covered later on. But I want us to look at it to be able to see the impact of what can happen if we are devoted to one another and devoted to God. In Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, Jesus told the disciples their mission. It was called the Great Commission. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We find that actually, even in our church slogan, it says, be disciples make disciples. If we cultivate this new relational culture here in church, and then take the same principles into the world, then we'll see growth spiritually and in numbers. Most important thing, as mentioned before, is to love. God shows us time after time his unconditional love, so we must try and show the same to those around us in our lives. We must choose this as a way of life rather than a club we attend. So we must go out from here, take the culture that we have here into the streets, into where we live, into our work, school, college, home. This isn't an exclusive club where only believers can meet. It is so much more than that. We are a church, united by Christ, devoted to God's people, and called to Christ's mission. In Acts 2, Uh, Verse 47, it says, And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. The early church, as Luke says, was devoted to Christ's teachings. They were devoted to one another, and they were devoted to Christ's mission. So the question is, are we devoted enough? So you might have noticed tonight we're sat a bit differently. It's very nice to see you all spread out. And maybe you're sat with people you don't know, or you've got people who you may want to get to know better. And so, what we're going to do now is we're going to try something a bit different. There's going to be some discussion points that are going to come on the screen, and we're going to spend a few minutes just with each other, just discussing. But remind each other to be authentic, to encourage one another, build each other up, and then after we've discussed our points, pray for one another. And you might not want to pray here right now; you might not be comfortable with that. But if you've got something that's going on in your life or someone you want to be praying for or anything like that, just bring them to the table. Get the table around you, the church, praying for them. And then we'll go into our second set of worship. But then after that, we've got another time to grow as a fellowship, to be better together. We've obviously got our teas and coffees. And this is a crucial time just to come and to chat to those people that you might not see in a week. Maybe to see someone new and think, oh, I've not spoken to them before, I'll go chat to them. Or you can bring your teas and coffees back into here and you can use this as a space as well. Or you can carry on discussing or you can carry on praying. This isn't just a talk that we should just leave here. We need to start acting and we can start acting tonight. Let's just pray. Father God, let's thank you so much, Lord, for this early church. That this can be such a model for us to be able to look to. We thank you for the early believers that they were devoted to you. They were devoted to one another and they were devoted to your mission. Lord, I thank you for church. I thank you for all the different activities that are going on midweek, for how many people we have attending, for how many people we have watching online. We thank you for our fellowship here. But Lord, I just pray now that you just help us be able to grow, to be better together. That we can be united by you and through you. And that then we can take that into the streets, into our places of work, into our homes. And that we can see believers being added to our number every day. And Holy Spirit, I just ask that tonight you made us be here amongst us that we can all be open and ready to receive you tonight in the discussions, in the prayer time, in the worship, and in the coffee. May you speak so clearly to us. Amen. So yeah, have fun discussing.